Welcome back to Uncomfortable God, a youth ministry podcast designed for youth pastors, but relevant enough for parents and students. And this one is especially relevant to actually all three of those, um, as this week uh, I not only have a pastor's kid on with me, I not only have one of my students with me, but they are also my sibling. <laughs> uh, so this week on Uncomfortable God, we have uh, my sister Elena. Hi. Uh, um, we just finished recording another podcast together uh, that we have. I'm not going to even bother linking that to this, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't need people associating both of those. It's a conspiracy theory podcast. Um, so, uh, last uh, month, uh, we got to hear from Pastor Bailey Giesbrecht. We talked about a handful of things uh, concerning college, concerning um, hiring staff, finding staff. <clears throat> this episode, um, we're gonna we're gonna touch base on a few things, especially uh, not just being pastors' kids, but growing up together in a Christian household, in a pastoral ministry family household. Um, where we both have seen different sides of ministry at different points in our lives. Uh, we've seen a lot of good, bad, and ugly. Um, but, you know, we want youth pastors to be able to know how to look out for things for their kids um, and how to protect your, your uh, PKs. Uh, we want PKs to feel heard um, and know that they're not alone in a lot of the stuff that goes on uh, because it's not always easy being a pastor's kid. Right. No, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the simplest task. Um, it's not the job that you know we we were born into it. You know we didn't we didn't get to apply for this job. <laughs> um, you know so uh, and hopefully for some of the parents that are just listening in general, um, hopefully it just brings to light some things um, to look out for to hopefully really bless those pastors' kids. Uh, whether they're your youth pastor, your pastor is a pastor's kid. Um, or your staff pastor's kids um, to really just make sure that they're being taken care of and loved on and know, uh, know that they're just as important. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Elena is actually a senior this year. Um, yeah, it is. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and she has been one of my students on and off. <laughs> yeah, you were my first youth pastor. Then you moved, so mom was my youth pastor. Yeah. Then we got a youth pastor who is still to, as I was related to. Yeah. Pastor mom, Hannah. Yep. Hi, Pastor Hannah. <laughs> um, then mom became my youth pastor again, and now you're my youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah, it's the family dynamic. Because um, for me, my first youth pastor was our dad. And then we moved. Yeah. So when we were in Lancaster at New Life, my dad was a youth pastor there. Excuse me. And uh, he was my first youth pastor. Um, and then we moved, and my dad became a lead pastor. And our mother became our youth pastor. So, and then that's the only youth yeah, pastors I've had. I graduated. I graduated from that point. I worked under one other youth pastor, um, Pastor Jeff Henry, who was a youth pastor at the time, who was working under my dad at the time while I was at Valley Forge. Boo. Um, 
<laughs> Anybody at Valley Forge can understand why I booed, but you know, I said enough at the last uh, last month in the episode. Um, so uh, I worked under one other youth pastor um, who's now a lead pastor and doing an amazing job. Really proud of you, Pastor Jeff. Um, and then my first real youth pastor position, um, I was the youth pastor, so Pastor Jeff upgraded. Mm-hmm. Upgraded. <laughs> I guess we could, he became a real pastor. Well, he became an associate um, pastor. And then I took the youth pastor role. It was like maybe a year after that was when I started junior high. Yeah. And then I left in 2018. Um, I'd been there for five years, four years, four years yeah, as. Yeah. So I was. I was at that church for four years um, as a volunteer and then as the youth pastor. And then I left and moved to New York and I sat under, that was the first time I had ever been under a pastor that was not family. And I'll leave it at that. And then went through a dry season of trying to find ministry uh, to do, especially during COVID. And then the Lord brought us back to my family. And now I'm the youth pastor here with my amazing wife, um, who is at home with our PK, um, <laughs> little Augie, uh, who just started moving around, which is chaotic. If you if you have a kid, and especially if they're young, or if you remember when they were young, and they start moving for the first time, they have never been more dangerous <laughs> than they will ever be again. Just wait opinion. till he starts walking. He's already started to pull himself up on stuff. Nikki said she put him in his crib. And he pulled himself up and was standing in his crib. I was like, girl, doing too click much. Soon. Doing too much. <laughs> uh, but that's not the point. We're not, we're not here to go over our life story. Well, we are. But sort not, of. Not yeah, that not, aspect. Not, not that aspect. Um, so I know for, for me, my experience as a PK has been a lot different compared to your experience. Uh, we both have been through a lot of move, a lot of change, a lot of loss. Uh, but we both, especially, you know, we have another sister, Ebony, um, who, who's not on this episode, <laughs> but she experienced all the same things, but in different ways too. Uh, so me and Ebony are four years apart. Me and Elaine are 10 years apart. Um, so we really experienced things a lot differently. Um, whereas she remembers less moves. Yeah. So the, the, the more we move, the more, obviously. I remember it gets older and the more painful it gets because when I was older, I had more relationships. Yeah. Yeah, especially this most recent one. Oh, yeah. That's that, was, that, that was that was that was the, I wasn't even a part of that. <laughs> yeah. Which you, I think you also came a year after. Came a year after because that was really hard for me because I left a youth ministry that um, a group that I had been working with for four years. Um, I've been around those kids for a long time, and I appreciate and love each and every one of them, and I miss you guys. Um, you know who you are. Come you know, visit. Come visit. Um, come be on the podcast. <laughs> um, and, and that was hard for me to see you guys go, even though I was so far away. But then this was your first move where I wasn't around. And it was just you and Ethany, and I was in another state. <laughs> yep, you were still, well, you were in PA, weren't you? Yeah. Were you in PA? I yeah. thought you were in PA. 
you guys moved here in 2020. 2020. Right before. Okay, so you know what? I we might have actually just moved back. Yeah, I think we did. from from New York into PA, uh, <laughs> into PA. <laughs> Some random accents just come out at <laughs> random points. It's unhealthy. Um, yeah. So. But still, you were you were on like. Yeah. I was on the other, other side, side of the, of the state. state now. <laughs> I was on the other side of the state. And if, you, and if you live in Pennsylvania or you've ever been through Pennsylvania, it's freaking huge. Um, it's not okay. Okay. You don't realize how big it is until you move to the other side. Yeah, you don't realize how big it is till you know, Pendel decides to have all their events on the <laughs> other side when you live in Erie. You hear me, Pendel? Okay. Make things closer. Which actually, not 2023, but 2024, District Council is going to be in Erie. Really? Yes. And I can't freaking wait. Now, it does make me a little sad because I like going away, getting to be in a hotel. It feels like vacation to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can still go to a hotel. I could still, you know, <laughs> but I don't know if the church is going to justify going to a hotel when I live like 15 minutes away from Erie first. I mean, there's plenty <laughs> of hotels by Erie first. Just... Yeah. I live too close. But anyways, it's really exciting because um, I don't want to drive seven hours. <laughs> so uh, with that, though, um, some of the things I just want to touch base on, uh, just have some discussion about. What do you think is one of the hardest aspects you've experienced as a PK? Like with that title, what has been one of the hardest things? I think the expectation. Um, now some PKs are like flat out told by some people in the church that like they need to be perfect. Like they just that's a lot of the treatment they get. Mine was more put on myself. Like we've we've always had very good churches. Um, I've always had good friends and people who took care of me, but. I also put it on myself a lot because a lot of people that would, like, come into our youth group were from very different places. Mm -hmm. And so I would see all the stuff that they struggled with and that hurt them, and that seemed way worse than what they went through. So uh, for a long time, I didn't really feel like my problems were big enough to have to bring up. I'll just, I'll deal with it. I'll pray about it sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, they they have it worked. They need the help. Gotcha. Um, so I, it was kind of this expectation I had on myself, even when I was a kid. That, like, I was, I feel like this is going to sound really selfish. Like, I was always highly praised mm -hmm. as a kid because, like, you know, I watched Little Einstein's and learned the word chrysalis when I was five. And I, I got good grades. You, like, said that at, like, age three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but I got good grades in school. I was a nice little girl. And so I always just kind of had that expectation because that's how people talk to me and treat me. That's what they expected me. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I, I always make this joke um, about there's two types of PKs. You've got Captain America's, and you've got Deadpool's. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Two two great characters from Marvel. 
but two completely. It, it, those are two. I would have loved to have seen Steve Rogers and Ryan Reynolds Deadpool get to interact <laughs> in the Marvel universe. Maybe we will someday. But um, it, it, it is very true that that you know while I say that as a joke, it's a very true statement because I was very much so a Deadpool. Yeah. Um, I would say, and I think she'd be fine with me saying, was a very good mixture yeah. of the two. And you were very much so Captain America. Yeah. Um, a and, little bit different. Yeah, and I say that because uh, the pastor, pastor's kids get um, really weird expectations thrown on them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, I would say the vast majority of us are very grateful for what we were born into. Yeah. But we also didn't ask for it. You know, yeah. it's, it's not without its downsides. <laughs> it, you know, um, so whether you're a pastor's kid or you have kids and you're a pastor, um, your kids are, are going to be one of the two ways um, where they are, they're going to be, you know, looked at as this crown jewel <laughs> where, you know, Mr. Patriotic and just, you know, really dives into JBQ and fine arts and just like, you know, really is just this happy-go-lucky kid. Uh, on the surface, but what you need to do is you need to check to make sure that they are okay, because, you know, a lot of those kids, and I've met a lot of them, because, like, Elaine is not the only one. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of you guys out there um, that have been in that expectation where, you know what, you have a healthy family. You have a family that loves you, that cares about you, and when you see everybody else in the youth group of the church, you're like, my problems aren't, aren't problems. You know, um, I don't know, like, it just doesn't need to be dealt with, um, you know, and it just kind of gets stuffed down, whereas the opposite side of us, we, like, rebelled against everything out of the frustration of the expectations or uh, just the responsibility that comes with being a PK or an MK. Don't forget the MKs. Yeah, you're very important. The extremely homeschooled MKs. That it was not a slight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, I really enjoyed growing up in church. I really did. My hard thing, and this, I think, you know, for you was super helpful, was I went to public school. And, and you did, which both sides have its pros and cons. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you learned a lot of social stuff and secular things, like how the world works when you're around me, which sounds really weird, but you got a lot of that kind of stuff. I, I, I wasn't, like, thrown into it. Yeah. It was brought on me gradually. Like, yes. Uh, some of it was, like, a little late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was... You know, public school is very different. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I'm thankful you didn't go to public school because it's yeah. it just it has gotten so worse. You know, my kids are not going to go to public school. You know, I have friends, um, and I know other pastors that, uh, yeah, no, public school is not an option for my kids, especially nowadays. It just gets worse and worse. But for me, it, it opened up like a second world, you know, where I was able to get away from the preconceived notion of who I was supposed to be when it came to church. And when I got to school, I was able to be whoever I wanted to be, which was not a good thing <laughs> because I was really stupid. And by really, stu- I just you know I did so many things 
just out of, well, these other people get to experience this. Uh, and I just want to have a good time. And I made plenty, plenty of mistakes. And they have all made for great stories where I tell all the students to never attempt any of these, <laughs> ever. Um, you know, good sermon illustration. That is not a reason if you're called into ministry to do bad things. Yeah, don't do something <laughs> for the purpose of sermon illustration. Um, but for me, I mean, I remember I got to a point in time um, in about my junior or senior year. Uh, I think it was my junior year. This was my senior year that I actually like really committed myself to Christ. My junior year, I was my freshman and junior year. I was really running away from the Lord. Because uh, I was just mad at everything. I was mad that I wasn't able to do certain things. I was mad at the rules that my parents had made. I was mad at uh, God for putting me in the Christian household. Um, you know, why couldn't I experience this for myself? Is kind of how it felt. Um, you know, this was just forced on me. It's unfair. You know, good luck telling God something's not fair. And uh, you know, so with that. Uh, just brought a lot of uh, confusion and frustration. I remember, uh, I still remember I was in a shop class, and one of my friends uh, at the time, I believe his name was Brandon, um, asked me, you know, about my faith and stuff, and I said, I don't even believe that stuff anymore. Because I didn't want to be associated with it. I was so tired of being the pastor's kid, because especially when my friends knew like, all right, yeah, you know, Aaron's dad is a pastor, you know, except I wasn't called Aaron in high school. I called Halvig. Nobody knew my first name. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't want to be associated with it because it, it had hurt me too much throughout my life. Um, I had been told I should know this. I had been given the, well, you're the pastor's kid, or, you know, the expectation of, well, you can do this because you're the pastor's kid. Guys, pastors' kids aren't going to know the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Through osmosis, <laughs> the womb, they lay the Bible on the belly, and we just absorb the scripture. King uh, James Version. King James Version. <laughs> yeah, listen, if you are a church member, um, treat pastors' kids like they're just kids. <laughs> yeah. Do not put any type of expectation on them. Because they already feel the weight of it. The weight of, if I make a mistake, this is, this gets pegged on my parents. It's pegged on them. You know, they're going to find out. And then the church is going to find out. And it's just, it's this frustrating, hard process. Because everybody watches your family. Yeah. yeah. When you're in ministry, your family is on the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, especially if you live in a parsonage, parsonages are a big blessing and horrible at the same time. <laughs> Uh, I remember just people just coming up and knocking on the door, just not even on church days, you know, and my parents like having to respond to certain things and me just being like, where's my time? And, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Our parents are really good at taking care of us, loving us, spending time with us. Yes. We've, it's very evident that they did everything they could to make sure we had very loving yeah. life. They, 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 they took did, very good yeah. care of us. They did nothing wrong in their um, 28 years of ministry, they did not make any mistakes in raising their kids and stuff, and I want them to know that. Um, the hard thing is their first generation ministry uh, family, my mom's first generation Christian, 
Uh, my dad is technically secondary, but first generation pastor. They didn't know what they were doing. They know what they were getting into. Hard thing, you know, if you're a pastor and you don't have somebody to really look up to and ask these questions, um, you know, I hope and pray that this this podcast can give you the answers to those. Um, but you know, I know it's not always the easiest uh, thing to juggle church family and home family. But I will say, if you do not take care of your home family above your church family, um, your family's gonna fall apart. So, you know, with that, what is one of the best things about being a pastor? Um, I mean, normally if someone would ask me this, I'd say, like, all the leftover food we get. Yeah, but it's always a good one. That is a Especially if you have a church of people that can cook. If you have a church of people that can't cook, Worst then, experience yeah, then it's bad. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, not the one we're at right now, okay, everybody? Yeah. We have, we have very good cooks. Um, but, I mean, you just get a lot of cool experiences. Like, you get one-on-one time when missionaries come to visit. Yes. That's a really good point. I always loved that, getting to go to lunch with the guest speakers and stuff. I mean, sometimes they stay with us. Yeah. Uh, so, it's not like you just see this person up on a stage. Like, they're real people. Yeah. And, like, we have the weirdest conversations with them because that's our family. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you get to go to these retreats and stuff, and a lot of times your brother or your parents will have some sort of in, and you get to meet people. Like, you get to meet the worship team, the people who work on the media team, the pastors, speakers. It's, you get a lot of really cool experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our parents built up a really good rapport in the Pendel District yeah. uh, that allowed me to create really good rapport with uh, people. And then when I went to Valley Forge, I made such good contact with people that are now on worship teams and stuff. So I was always able to get my students, um, you know, into things that they probably wouldn't have expected or Get to really have some one-on-one time with different people, uh, which is always really cool. Uh, yeah, I, the lunches, dude, are always the best. It was always lunches. one of yeah. Whenever you know oh, we had a guest speaker stuff, yeah. or whatever, that was always a really cool thing. Um, you know, it is always hard to be the first ones here and the last ones to leave. Yeah, you know, it's just it can exhausting. make for some really long <laughs> days, especially like if you have an event later that day and you've already had church. Because you're yeah. the first one there, then you're the last one to leave, then you go home for a couple hours oh, so you goodness. can come back to set up, and then you have to tear down after Listen, the I'm going to be honest, guys. really hate Sunday night stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so exhausting. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it is It is definitely, uh, there, there's pros and cons and everything, you know, but especially for any of the pastors kids listening, like, we want you to know, like, to really look for the bright sides and stuff. And, and know that you're not alone in the, uh, I had to burp. It just like kept on like slowly coming up, but we want you guys to know, um, you know, you're not alone in any of this, you know, the way that you feel, um, 
a lot of us have felt that way. The things that you're going through, the the trials that you're facing, um, you know, you are never too far gone, <laughs> and your problems are never too small. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't don't harbor in your your problems and your emotions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something that I have. <laughs> <laughs> you got to talk to people, um, and I know it's not always easy, especially if the only people around are your parents. Yeah. That is definitely a hard thing. If you if you have parents that are your lead faster, your youth faster, your children's faster, it's not always easy to be like, I don't know who I have to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but find find those people, especially if you get to retreats. Find people that you connect with, especially other youth pastors. Like, who cares if you're a student? Connect with other youth pastors. Um, get get connected with those people. Um, you know, so don't don't just let the hardship of being a PK. Uh, because it's not always easy, uh, as we, <laughs> as we, you know, all know, um, you know, tear you down. But you know, pastors of, of kids uh, in ministry do everything you possibly can to protect your kids. Do not let anybody in the church, you know, beat your kid down. Because here's what I'll say, and, and I grew up witnessing this about our father and our mother. When people had a problem with something that I did, even if I did something wrong, my dad never took their side. He always defended me, and would I would deal with repercussions for something I did later, but I always grew up watching my dad and mom fight for me, because it wasn't just like, oh, I'm the past now, oh, somebody has a problem with my kid, I'm going to go yell at my kid for what they did. Like, it was a that's my problem to deal with, and it's none of your concern kind of situation. So if somebody's going to get, you know, let's just say butt hurt in your church about something your kid did, fight for your kid. Fight for your kid. Fight for your wife. Fight for your husband. Um, they don't like how somebody dressed. They don't like the way that their hair looks, like, or, you know, they didn't know this or that. Fight for your family members because it is going to mean so much more to your kids, to your spouse, that they see that you are more invested in them um, than your church because your family is your first ministry. That's one of the things that we really grew up with. I'm very, very thankful <laughs> for. Um, you know, of all the crap we've been through, something I'm very, very thankful for. So, from a student's perspective, um, and somebody who feels called in the ministry, especially more so in worship ministry, we'll put it in that regard. Um, from a student perspective, not even a PK, what do you think is the hardest thing for youth ministries these days? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of times it kind of depends on your area, um, because the type of kids and problems you get can be very t- tailored to where you are. But I don't know. Like, I guess maybe just the influence that like, public schools, like we were talking about, and social media can have yes. on kids, and it makes it one very hard to share the gospel sometimes because, like, the the society we have now, if you don't agree with something. And that's not at all how it works.
are plenty of like youth groups and stuff out there that want to love homeless people, yeah. but they just reject them immediately. Mm-hmm. Like the, the students feel rejected, mm-hmm. so yeah. so it can be very hard to grow your ministry because you're losing people because you're like, telling the truth, um, and it can just be very hard to like share things because a lot of people either go they just kind of shove it under the rug and don't actually talk about it for fear of losing people Yeah. or they bring it up and it just goes off. Yeah. You know, and I've, the more and more I look through social media, um, the more frustrating I see how it is because the church should be using social media and especially youth groups, um, as much as possible to uh, reach students because there is so many loud voices talking about the gospel that is not correct whatsoever. And your students are seeing and watching your kids are seeing and watching this and are coming up with these wacko ideas because somebody on TikTok decided, you know what? I think this is how I'm going to interpret this passage. And this is what I'm going to say. One of the most controversial people I have seen on TikTok. And, like, I went down a rabbit hole watching this dude. I mean, I was blown away by the audacity. So the handle of the name of the channel is Jigazus. And he is portrayed a gay Jesus. Dresses up like him refers to himself as Jagazus and just goes through scripture and pulls out like wacko um, ideas and theology and I bring this up because students are seeing this. This guy has a platform. This guy has a platform to say whatever he wants and people are going oh my gosh that makes sense. And if you don't know scripture or are not willing to hear what he says and then go and look, you're just going to go ahead and be like, wow. David and, uh, what was his friend's name? Jonathan. Jonathan, one of his things. David and Jonathan were gay lovers. So he took the scripture and just completely twisted it. You know, like, went into what this really means and what that really means. You know, he, he speaks very intellectually. See, that's the problem, is a lot of people know how to talk yeah. and know how to make it sound like they know what they're talking about, and they know how to argue. Yeah. Nobody actually knows what they're doing. But if you don't go and look, and you just, like, read that scripture for face value, you might be like, anything do was gay. <laughs> yeah, him and Bathsheba, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, but, like, the, these are the things that are getting out there to our team. These are the things that are getting out there to students. And there is not enough good Christian content, sound theological content um, for students. And, you know, like, I, I'm to blame, too. Like, I, I have slacked. We've started several things for the youth group here. You know, I didn't have the baby myself. My wife had a baby. And, you know, a bunch of things just went left and right and up and down. And it was just, we've just been slowly trying to collect ourselves. Um, but it, it's, it is hard. It's a lot of work, especially if you're bivocational. 
um, in ministry. It's really hard to keep up with that, all that kind of stuff. That's where creating a good ministry team comes in handy. Um, but these are the things that are, are affecting our students. I know you um, are like one of very few teenagers uh, and or pastor's kids who does not use social media. Yeah, I don't. I think I know one other person that doesn't use social media. Now, is that something that your mom and dad enforced on you? No, that was my choice. Um, when I think around when I was became a teenager, which I was late teenage, um, told me I could get Facebook, probably would let me at Snapchat eventually or TikTok or something. I never wanted to. That was my choice, and there were, you know, there have been some times where I've considered it, because it sometimes it seems like you're kind of missing out on the social aspect of life yeah. that everybody else gets to uh, be a part of, but I always knew that it would be better for me if I never got stuck into it. Yeah. Now, for me, as a teenager, I got... Facebook when it came out. Actually, I had MySpace first. So, You're right. old. shut up. Um, <laughs> then I got Facebook, and then, you know, I remember I remember when Snapchat came out. Um, and, like, I was, I was, I remember Instagram and everything, and I was big on all of that. Um, you know, I had a really good uh, Instagram going when I was in college. Um, and then I, Social media actually caused a lot of identity problems for me. Um, I had a lot of, like, just mental health issues with identity. Some of that went through, you know, because of a, a breakup I went through when I was younger. And then, you know, social media was giving me my fix of affirmation. Um, but I think I, I also really talked up how toxic social media is to you <laughs> when you were younger and then as you became a teenager and stuff. But nowadays, I don't even have social media on my phone. I get on Facebook, like, once a week on my computer. I mainly only use YouTube. I sit on YouTube. YouTube YouTube will suck you in for, for a while. Even, like, I use YouTube. That's about... YouTube and Pinterest are about the extent of my social media. Um, yeah. But I set app timers at both of them because I can scroll for <laughs> hours. So I have yeah. an app timer to gotcha. try and help me. With, you know, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, uh, parents and uh, pastors, uh, it is okay to set strong limits to things for your kids. Uh, and now, for yourself. And for yourself. You know, while Elena made the choices to not have those certain things, and she very much so could just do it now, um, it's okay to tell your kids, no, they can't have it. Uh, you know, there was somebody who said something, I can't remember, it was a pastor, um, when the movie uh, Red, is that what it's called? The oh panda God, movie. The, the panda movie. The red panda oh, movie. Oh, oh, um, Turning Red. Turning Red. When that came out, it was a huge controversy. Yeah. And there was a pastor that said, listen, there is no damage and nothing wrong if your kids do not see this movie. Mm -hmm. But you risk the possibility of it causing damage if they see it. 
And that, as parents, is really how you have to kind of look at stuff. And that's how I look at stuff as an adult today, you know, where there's, like, certain movies and things where it doesn't have, you know, the certain things I don't want to see or hear, but maybe there's some other things that's kind of questionable or music or whatever, and I go, okay, this could do more harm than it would good. If I don't watch this, nothing changes in my life. If I do watch this, it could cause problems for me. You know, and I think parents should be stricter about the thing. Or at least be very involved in what their kids are watching or listening to. <laughs> so it's okay to be uh, that parent um, who your kids might get mad at. But better to protect their eyes and ears and mind than them to go down this huge route of depression and self-hatred because that's where that's where social media leads honestly mm -hmm. i don't know anybody who's been sucked into social media who just loves everything about themselves yeah I mean, <laughs> one of the things that made me not want to get it was i saw all these people who talked about taking social media breaks and how great they felt and i'm like well why would i want to start then yeah like then I'm, it's just going to be this long process of, I, mean, I already have some <laughs> I already have issues. Why would I want more? Like I just I knew it wasn't gonna be enough of it for me. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of wisdom at a young age. So there's not there's not a lot of other teenagers who have that much discipline. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if your teenager does not have that kind of self discipline uh, you should probably do the discipline for them. <laughs> Get an accountability part. Get an accountability part. That's not the noise I wanted to hear in the middle of the recording. Gaming service. Just got updated. Thank you. Um, but, you know, w with that, you know, some of the rougher side of, of youth ministry today, um, let, let's look at a little bit of a happier note. What is, in today's world and society and the age of technology and stuff, what do you think is the thing that is most useful or is helping youth ministry the most nowadays? As an outside person, it's just the student. Helping them? Yeah. I think social media can be helpful. Yeah. I think also a lot of churches are kind of just more so seeing the importance of youth ministry. So just kind of having the entire church back you up is very important to yeah. seeing those things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because you know, the phrase I hate nowadays is that the youth kids are the church of tomorrow. Who's the church of the we do go. Well, they do go here, guys. Okay? Stop, stop telling your students that they're the church of tomorrow. They're going to think that they have to wait until they can do anything. We might all sit in one spot in the sanctuary together, but we do go. They're more consistent than the rest of the church. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, with that, I just want to ask a couple quick questions. These are rapid fire questions. Okay. Of ministry, being a PK, and whatnot. 
What is the hardest part about hearing your dad preach every week? You can get very, very into routine. Very guilty of that, especially <laughs> because, um, like, I work in the sound booth, and that itself can get you into routine. Yeah. But when you are like, I'm around this guy almost twenty four seven, and because I don't go to public school, <laughs> and so you just kind of get used to the dynamic of, okay, we're going to go to church, I'm going to hear dad talk about stuff, we're going to go home after everybody else goes home. Yeah. Um, so it's very easy to get into a routine and forget that you may be your dad or your mom or your brother, but you still really need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the best AG district in the United States? only ever been a part of Pendel. So that is the correct answer. It's Pendel. Woo! Who is the best new DYD of Pendel? Best new DYD? Yep. Well, we just got Joe Callie. It's Joe Callie. That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> Good job. Okay. <laughs> What is the worst book of the Bible? No, I'm just kidding. What is your favorite book of the Bible? Song of Solomon. You've heard it here. Song of Solomon. <laughs> you can't say the Bible. I wasn't going to. Right, that's what it sounds like. Choose one. No. Choose one. Name They're a woman. I like Esther. I like the book of Esther. There you go. You heard it here first. You like Esther. What is the worst sermon title that you can come up with right now? Can you give me a topic? Sex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh February. Everybody's getting ready for Valentine's Day. It's youth group. <laughs> youth group. We're and, talking about this yes. in youth group. And you choose. You are going to give us the worst title to use for Valentine's Day sex talk at youth. If you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die. Not true. You, know, you all will. All the teen moms out there. All the te <laughs> That's true. Okay. That, I, think, I think I put you on the spot enough today. I <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to Uncomfortable God, a youth ministry podcast that is relevant for parents and teens, but really was designed for youth pastors, but especially today's episode is really for everybody so remember to take care of your pastors and their kids and to just love on them and protect them don't be a jerk and uh, please please
stop. Get some help. But thanks for coming out and listening. And uh, we hope to see that you listen again next month at Uncollectible God. Thank you. <laughs>